a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, if there's one thing that Congress can actually agree on, I think, it is that they uh, should have the power to authorize military force abroad. Uh, sadly, it's been uh, across the board and across the aisle that uh, Congress has uh, abdicated so much of its power and authority over the last several decades, for sure, uh, and in particular, uh, this use of force. Uh, but today, uh, they started to claw that back a little bit as it relates uh, to many of the, the war powers, and I, w- I want to break that down, what that looks like, what that really means in terms of where we've been and especially what it means in terms of fighting things like terrorism around the world. Uh, and to do that, we're really pleased to be joined by Anthony Markham, who's a resident fellow uh, with our friends over at R Street Institute in Washington, D.C. Uh, he focuses on the federal judiciary and uh, especially this wonderful thing of separation of powers and those disputes. Anthony, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, so let's break this down a little bit. Uh, so the House voted uh, not long ago uh, to uh, to pass this uh, change to the 2002 authorization of the use of military force. Tell us just a little bit about what that bill contains. Sure. Well, the bill itself is very simple. It's one line. It says it will repeal the 2002 authorization for the use of military force. Now, what that is, we have to go back to just after September 11th, just after September 11th, Congress passed the 2001 AUMF, which mainly concerned with terrorist organizations and those affiliated with al-Qaeda that perpetrated the 9-11 attacks. The very next year, Congress passed another AUMF called the 2002 AUMF. Now, this focused specifically on Iraq, and Iraq's at the time threat of having maybe nuclear or biological weapons, and was designed to topple Saddam Hussein's regime. That, of course, happened. The Iraq War was declared over around 2010 or 2011. And fast forward another 10 years, the 2002 AUMF is still on the books. And so what this bill did narrowly um, just targeted removing the 2002 AUMF, um, Congress taking that back. And so the White House would no longer have that specific authorization. All right. And I I just have to point this out, Anthony, that uh, we, we actually had a bill that was passed it was not 2,000 pages long, not 1,000 pages long. It was a single sentence. This is, this is much more my kind of bill, very targeted, uh, very specific. Uh, let's talk about it in terms of some of the, uh, the ramifications as it moves forward. We know it's got to move through the Senate. Uh, we know that uh, Mitch McConnell has uh, spoken out about that a little bit. Uh, Chuck Schumer has supported it uh, really for the first time that he's been uh, behind this. This is a little back and forth there. Uh, first, what does it mean? Uh, what do you think happens in the Senate? Uh, and then we'll get into what it actually means uh, in application moving forward. 
And well, you're right to mention that this this similar bill, this one-line bill, has passed a few times. Of course, it passed this morning, and the House passed similar versions a couple of times in the last Congress. Now, where the big hurdle has been is in the Senate. I think what's a little different this time potentially is you're seeing some more bipartisan momentum. There's a bill, a similar bill, to the to the bill that was passed this morning on the Senate side. It would do one more thing, though. Not only would it pass the 2002 AUMF, but we still have an authorization from 1991, the first Gulf War, still on the books. And repealing both of those was jointly introduced by Senator Kane from Virginia, then Senator Young from Indiana. Joining that, a number of senators, including Senator Lee, um, Senator Grassley, Senator Paul, um, that would support that legislation. There are five Republican co-sponsors on that now, and potentially more have suggested they'd be open to repealing it, some offices for the first time ever. Yeah, and that's a, that's such a fascinating thing. Uh, it was always interesting for me to watch some of these kind of, uh, I would call them the wraparound votes, uh, many of them dealing with uh, foreign uh, interventions or military use of force where you would have a Bernie Sanders and a Rand Paul voting the same on something, but for very different reasons. Uh, but the war powers seem to be one of those uh, uniters. Uh, what, what does this mean, though, in terms of uh, of practical things in terms of what the president can do as the commander in chief uh, and what uh, the president, again, of either political party can't do as commander in chief. Well, so specifically talking about the 2002 AUMF, there's kind of good news and bad news. Well, the, the, good, the bad news really is that this doesn't change a lot. And one of the reasons there was a statement of administrative policy from the Biden White House that came out this week, actually supportive of this bill, which would seem odd. Well, supportive of you know taking some of your power away. That's interesting. But the reason is the 2002 AUMF, because it dealt with Iraq specifically, Iraq is now a diplomatic partner. Saddam Hussein's regime is gone. This really has no legal effect for them in any current operations. That's why they're so supportive. In that same statement, they said, well, you know, in summarizing here, I, we want to collaborate with Congress on maybe looking at 2001 or giving us other authorizations that we might want. So that's the that's the unfortunate news that this you know this debate isn't going away anytime soon. However, this has been kind of the good news, a good first step for Congress clawing back some of its own authorities. You know, once it gets in the practice of actually legislating and actually considering these issues. We're hopeful that this will encourage some sort of momentum and potentially some of the momentum we're seeing right now in the Senate. Yeah, and I think that's such a uh, such a vital thing. I appreciate you sharing that, Anthony, because I, I, I do think until Congress does claw back and take back uh, much of its authority that it has just either ceded or abdicated uh, to the executive branch uh, on a host of things, but uh, war powers in particular I think is one where they've been all too happy and all too hasty uh, to say, yeah, you decide that, you take care of it, and you be responsible for it. We'll just complain uh, about how you did it. That's right. Unfortunately, this is this isn't you know a new thing. This has been a tradition almost as long <laughs> as the country has existed. Often, Congress has uh, allowed these types of authorizations, not necessarily declaring war, but giving the president authority to do certain military operations. We see it as early as the first administrations in the United States. We see it famously where um, President Truman declared that the uh, Korean War was a police action. 
getting to Vietnam, it, it continued for years and years without a formal congressional authorization. Once Congress actually repealed its authorization, President Nixon continued the war, saying that he alone, under his Article II powers, could continue the war. That's where you start, first started to see reforms like the War Powers Resolution and other legislation. Unfortunately, that's been watered down over time for a variety of reasons, and in some aspects, presidents have just ignored it, tempting Congress to um, strike back, and this is one modest step. Maybe Congress um, getting back into the game. Yeah, we we hope it a modest step for sure. We hope it's a uh, it's an important one, and that it uh, sets a pattern uh, for future steps for that to happen. Uh, as always, uh, Anthony Markham, resident fellow at R Street Institute. Uh, always appreciate your perspective. Uh, great insight uh, on uh, this particular thing, and again, hopefully, a, an important first step moving forward. Absolutely, having me. All right, again, that's Anthony Markham. Uh, We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about another area where maybe Congress will engage. has to do with some free trade, and uh, our good friend Miles Hansen from World Trade Center Utah is going to weigh in on a speech delivered by Senator Mike Lee about some free trade with the United Kingdom. Find out what that's all about coming up next. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. 